0: Go ahead, please go ahead. Do do the the intro.
1: Wait, I was supposed to film that. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? I'm at turning that paper. <laughs> Wait, I was supposed to turn that in. <laughs> Wait, return it in. Okay, we're failing. Wait, I was supposed to turn it in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this That's is a failure. This this. the intro has been an abject failure and we're gonna move forward
1: (laughs) that's the intro Hey, Brianna. <laughs> How's it going? Man, I got a new wig. I look fantastic.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Is it the one that you have on right now? Yeah, I got the baya. you know. I can shake my head and it moves. Stiff wear, nowhere. <laughs> Where'd you get it from? <laughs> I got it from AliExpress. You know, they're not paying me, but they should. Um it was bomb and it's all human hair, it wasn't that expensive, you know. I was looking cute. I was like, ooh, who's me? Who's that? Is that me? It's me. It's me.
0: <laughs> well, if anybody from AliExpress listens to this and wants a little, you know, sponsorship action, you
1: know where to find us. Yes, sponsor us, put an ad-in, pay for it. Thank you. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. What did you do this weekend?
1: What did I do? Um, I was at my cousin's wedding. I tried to be as safe as I possibly could, but that's why I had the buy up in my head. I had my makeup done. I was a bridesmaid. It was a really nice affair.
0: That's nice.
1: Yeah, what did you do?
0: I watched uh, Coming to America part two. Don't ruin it for me because I'm supposed to watch it later this week. I did not ruin anything. I just, I just felt like it could have been an email. Truth.
1: But I mean, it's cool. It's fine. It was whatever. Uh, that reminds me of why I sometimes hate sequels. They're never as good as you imagine them, especially when it's been such a long time. It's like they had 30 years to get
0: this right.
1: Right? 30 years to get it together
0: well I won't say much I'll let you watch it and then we can we can get I can get your thoughts next week <laughs> so this episode we are talking about passion projects right and Tanisha and I both had the opportunity to talk to friends of ours who are working on some really cool projects, things that are really amazing and impressive. And we we're going to uh, intro those a, a little bit later. But I wanted to take this time and talk about our own passion projects and why passion projects were important to us. So I guess because I'm already talking, I'll start. Um, I think that... You know, as adults, because this show is all about being in your 20s, right? And trying to figure life out and making mistakes and learning and growing and learning all the things that you need to do to really survive and thrive in your 20s, especially as a Black person in this country. And I think that having things that you are passionate about makes a, like, it gives us a soft landing to adulting. You know what I mean? Because leave like the care of your parents and you're on your own and you're paying bills and you're working and trying to climb this corporate ladder and you're doing all these things that you have to be doing just to survive and to you know to be an adult I think that it is really important to have things that are just for you things that you do simply because they bring you joy um, things that Light you up inside and for some people that could be your job, some people are lucky enough to feel that passionately about the work that they do. But most times it's not, and I think it's important to have something you do not because you have to, but simply because you want to. And I think for me that's the role that like passion projects, the importance that they play in my life and how I see them in other people's lives, what, what are your thoughts or what's your take on passion projects.
1: Honestly, I think they're kind of like what keeps people sane because you know doing all the things that you have to do, not because you want to do them, but because you have to, you know it's just gonna it's gonna make you sad after a while because now you're just like, well, what is that I want to do? you know do I even feel satisfied with these things? So it's good to have that passion project because it'll keep you sane. It'll give you something to look forward to, you know And you never know how you're positively impacting others by doing what you're doing. Yeah, or if like the thing
0: you're passionate about is going to turn into something like crazy, something like beyond your wildest dreams, which is always awesome. I think there's like this artist who comes to mind. and of course, now that I like she came to my mind, I can't think of her name. I'm going to circle back to it when I remember her name, but she like she's a painter. And she like makes clothes and she like she's an artist and she paints and she makes clothes and they have these really like bold, colorful, funky designs. I don't know if you've seen her, or her work, but like she just started this i think cause she was passionate about it like i don't think she intended to make money or you know what i mean to replace her job because she was doing something completely different and like yeah. She's like doing installations for like Peloton and like she's like a working artist and she's selling her clothes and to celebrities and all kinds of stuff. But I think it really just started off as something she was passionate about. and It just kind of took on a life of its own, which is crazy to me. But I think that, that and I'm not saying that you should do something because you feel like it's going to make you a lot of money or make you really successful. You should just do it because it brings you joy. But She's a really good example. And as soon as her name comes to my mind, I'm going (laughs) to circle back
1: because I'm following her on Instagram and uh, her stuff is so great. See, I love when people are able to make money off of what they love though. You know, it really takes care of those other needs that you had that job for. That's true. So you have any passion projects that you're working on or anything? What? I'm here right now with you. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, this really is one of my passions.
0: You joke, but this really is. This is one of them. This is, I'm so passionate about this that it took me three years (laughs) to get this podcast up and running because. I went through a few co-hosts. I went through just times when I couldn't commit because of timing issues. And I kept coming back to it, like no matter what the challenge was, I kept coming back to this idea because I'm passionate about it. You know what I mean? I could have gave up after the first attempt, two co-hosts to go ain't called it a day but something about this podcast kept pulling me in and I I couldn't get the idea out of my head until I I finally executed it and you know cooked up with you and we got it going but I I think that speaks to the passion but sorry I stole your I stole your answer though
1: it's okay it's okay because you know I have other stuff you know it's not just you there are other passions in my life Brianna (laughs) I Honestly, I feel like a passion project that I kind of really got into. I mean, it's not really a project, it's more of like an activity. Um and we'll see where it goes, but like doing stand-up comedy. Like I had wanted to do stand-up comedy for so long because as a kid I used to watch you know, so many hours of like stand up routines on comedy central that I was not supposed to be watching as a child, but I was laughing at jokes that I did not understand. And then, you know, like I love comedy movies. I love comedy in general, but I never like had the confidence, you know? And so after a while, I just kind of like, I was like, ah, whatever. I'll probably never be able to do it. And then my friend, she started doing it. And then she was like, why don't you try? And I, and you know what? I was like, She's right. Why don't I try? So then I just started doing it. And now I feel like I'm getting better opportunities because of it. I'm meeting all kinds of people. Like, I've met so many great people because I do comedy now. Like, there's this one lounge I was going to where pretty much like they let me perform at a couple of their events and now like I found this really cool black owned business and you know in Tampa that I can like feel comfortable at where you know I feel like I want to bring other people to and they're introducing me to more people like them more business owners more people that have that that initiative to like go out and do things on their own and like make their passion come alive and turn into like an actual business for themselves and I'm so grateful that I was able to do that because you know, if I had just kept on saying to myself, I'll probably never be good. No one's ever going to laugh at my jokes, which is what I was saying to myself for a long time. I wouldn't have had these opportunities.
0: You, know, you said something really important there is that, you know, you had to Get over yourself and just do it. You know, I, I actually posted that on Instagram the other day. Like, sometimes you just have to do it scared. And I feel like that's exactly what, you know, you just touched on. But I think that also, too, when you're passionate about something, it kind of supersedes all of that because it doesn't matter if you're good because you're doing it for you. You're not doing it. For or, you know, to, to to appease someone else or to impress someone else you're doing it because it, it fills you up and you genuinely enjoy it. And I think that, that that definitely makes a difference.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Although if you ask other comedians, they'll say I'm not a real comedian because I don't do it 24-7. <laughs> Well, I mean, you do have
0: to like work and pay your bills, but I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, I feel like that's the only downside is that I wish I could devote more time to it, if that makes sense. Cause some people are in a, a better situation where they can, you know, cause like a lot of comedians, they're able to like travel and stuff, and I can't really do that yeah hopefully in the future
0: so sidebar the artist i was talking about earlier whose name i could not remember her name is melissa mitchell and her brand is called a Bay I think I said that wrong but Abeye Creations so A-B-E-I-L-L-E Creations on Instagram and she was the artist I was talking about earlier who just like had this passion for like art and she was like doing these really crazy colorful like clothes and scarves and like leggings and things and she's like doing murals like getting paid to do murals now and like she just did like a Peloton store and like a bunch of she's on commercial she's on commercial like it's crazy and it all just started because she was passionate about something and I think that our guests that we're gonna speak to in just a few really kind of exemplify that you know what cool things can happen when you're just you're passionate and you you express yourself in a
1: in a way that fills you up most definitely Most definitely. Let's go to the first interview, your interview, Brianna. I am so excited to introduce this next
0: guest that we have on our episode about passion projects. Um, This is my dear, dear friend, Dylan Carmichael. Dylan is a 2018 graduate of the College of the Holy Cross in Worcester, Massachusetts. Um, prior to his senior year, he started a video series called Redefining Black Masculinity, which was dedicated to documenting black masculine experiences. And as it's progressed, it has expanded into a platform specific to various forms of content aligned with that same goal. In his free time, he likes to write songs and poetry. Thank you for coming, Dylan. How are you?
2: Um, I'm well, and it's very interesting, like interesting to hear my bio read back to me. You know, um, it sounds like a lot, but it's also not really that much. But at the same time, you know, 25 trying to thrive. You know what I mean? Got my bars right there.
0: Well, you know, I'm glad that you you said your age, because that was actually going to be one of my first questions. And the reason it was going to be one of my first questions is because this podcast is all about highlighting the experiences of 20 somethings, you know, I personally feel like this is a difficult age because you think that you have you're trying to figure things out, which is why I called it, I got this shit figured out. It was kind of tongue in cheek. It was a little facetious because I personally don't feel like I have anything figured out at all, right? So that was going to be my second question to you is, do you have this shit figured out?
2: Um, I mean, I think like the short answer is, you know, no, I don't, <laughs> um, and <laughs> I think that, you know, that's, That's just, like, a bit of, like, honesty that, you know, you have to have with yourself to kind of say that, but also to be okay with it, too. Because I think that, you know, a lot of us in our 20s, we are supposed to kind of, like, have everything ready, you know, or at least that's kind of, like, the expectations that... The uh, boomers and like older people have like people our age that we're supposed to kind of be like all right once you graduate from college you're gonna have a job or you should buy a house and you start family and this this and that but obviously times are changing you know and I think that requirements for different things are changing and means to happiness are changing you know and I think that that's something that all of us are very cognizant of and it's con- it's very fluid too you know and the fact that we're like very tapped into that makes it so that. At this age, it's hard to have those things figured out because, shoot, something maybe may seem right to me right now. Like, post um, my senior year of college, I was like, all right, grad school might be the thing to do. And that was something that I wanted to do. But, like, a year later, it was like, all right, the finances aren't there, but also the, the next side of that is like, what exactly does going to grad school accomplish? And I think the fact that, you know, at our age, a lot of us in this current time period are like more cognizant of that and willing to ask those questions rather than kind of just taking what's like offered to us makes it more okay. You know what I mean? It makes it more okay and makes us more understanding of these different things.
0: Absolutely. I kind of feel like it's almost like prior generations were on like this treadmill and they were just kind of like going, doing the, you know, checking all the boxes. And I feel like our 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 age group our generation is very very outside of that box they're just willing to do whatever feels good and you know kind of break the mold and I think that's why I really wanted to do an episode on passion projects because just in my friend group in my network so many people in this age group are doing really cool things and I think it's it's because of that why I have so many friends who are just doing things that I really admire and respect and you know find fascinating I think it's because we place value in different things and I'm really excited to talk to you about that today because you have a passion project um, and I wanted to bring you on here to hear uh, so you can tell our audience a little bit more about
2: it. All right. Um, so my passion project is a video series um, turned, I guess, nonprofit media platform or um, media endeavor called Redefining Black Masculinity, um, which was intended to, you know, create, create space for, you know, those who identify with black masculinity and just like, you know, document uh, different experiences. Just so not only do we who um, possess said identity or who identify with it, have a better understanding of ourselves and um, freedom to kind of converse about, you know, things relating to the identity. But also so people on the outside looking in kind of have a better understanding as well, too, because I think that regardless, of like, you know, your, clo- your proximity to something or someone, I think that we have to kind of get a better understanding and learn through shared experiences. Um, and that only happens with, like, communication, communication like open and honest, like, you know, dialogues. And that was, like, kind of the goal, you know, to educate out, educate self but also to educate others as well too
0: i'm just gonna read um the bio on your instagram on the instagram page for uh, redefining black masculinity masculinity because it just sums it up so well It says rbm of the rbm project is an interview-based platform to document express and understand the black masculine identity in the culture surrounding it and i just want to pause on that for a minute because i feel like if if you aren't there if you don't know and you don't see it, you don't really get how sort of groundbreaking that is. There was no, you wouldn't need that you feel like you were feeling, like what were you missing that made you think, oh, I need to create this, like this is what I need to be saying these this is what I need to be putting
2: out in the world um what was I missing I think that you know in terms of what I had going on it wasn't necessarily a me thing but I think like me myself and I like who I am kind of led to um to creating what was missing or just like trying to fill a certain void um thinking back to like you know my identity and just like kind of think it's a different conversation that I've had with other people as well too um something that's been very um prevalent for me is identity more like I think more so than it probably should have been at like certain ages for example I think my ethnicity was like one of the first things that you know was really like relevant to me at a young um, at a young age ethnicity was something that was prominent to me before like anything it was before race you know it was before um before you know sexual orientation before all those things you know ethnicity was the first thing ethnicity was at the forefront i knew like i was Guyanese, and it's funny because talking to like other people who have family members from the caribbean i think that a lot of um um this is obviously a general statement it's not like you know facts or anything along the lines, unless like, you know, take studies or whatever. But a lot of people from those perspective backgrounds identify with nationality and ethnicity more so than race, you know what I mean? So that's what made that very prominent. And it wasn't until like, you know, going to integrating in public schools um, that I was like, all right, I'm black. But once that became a thing, you know, being cognizant of that, ethnicity was used kind of as, as, as a means kind of divide in the sense of you're different, you know, and then in that sense you become other, you know what I mean? And continuing like, it's like these, this was always like relevant no matter which which environment I went to, or rather like identity was always relevant no matter which environment I went to. Um, As you know, for those who are listening, I went to a boarding school for high school <laughs> And going to that boarding school, you know, ethnicity stopped being stopped being a factor because instead of like my ethnicity now, they just wash that away and I'm just black, you know. So that's not, those are not conversations that are happening anymore. But then after that, going to college and kind of reclaiming it and it's kind of like also... Not only reclaiming my ethnicity for my sake and also just like for the sake of like coming together with my identity but also like understanding all the other parts of me you know what i mean i'm afro guyanese you know what i mean i identify as like say like i'm ace or something along those lines you know and just like adding these different things to like who i am and like who i show up how i show up as in the world and i think that with that conversation and with the conversation that are being had you know what i mean um that i was to have with myself it's also it didn't take away from the fact that, you know, with all these different identifiers or whatever they may be, I still show up in the world as Black and masculine. And that's still fall underneath that umbrella. That's still who I am. And I think that being cognizant of that, you know, of myself and my identity, I wanted to be aware of, like, other people's as well, too. That, like, regardless of their respective differences and things of the like, they fall they fall under the category of Black and masculine still. And that was something that I wanted to make sure to to allow space for for other people as well, too, um, in terms of, like, you know, the long term goal of the project in terms of how exactly that I wanted that to, to be, you know?
0: Yeah, and I think that's actually one of my favorite parts about the project is that you do make room for a myriad of experiences under the black and masculine uh, umbrella because that means different things to different people because you know as you mentioned black people are not a monolith you know what i mean and our experience are very vast underneath the umbrella of just being black yeah, and the fact that you made room for all of the experiences I, that's, some, that's probably my favorite part so what's the what has the response been like to this project
2: the response has been great. And you know, I think that it just stems back to like, you know, the introductory conversation. Yeah, in general it was about creating space, but like, you know, there's a specific person I had in mind when that I was gonna that I had in mind when I created the project and what I wanted it to be. It was my younger cousin and kind of just like trying to get him to be comfortable expressing all and feeling all that he needed to feel and how he showed up in the world. And showing showcasing that initial clip of the talk that we had, the reception that came from that, you know, people were just like they they resonated with it. Um, they were empathetic of what of, you know, the imagery, but also like you know the dialogue that was taking place. And then from there, you know it was the ball kind of got rolling because people also wanted to have more conversations like that. People wanted to be wanted it to be like, hey, or people on my college campus, like, oh. Are you going to do this when you get back to back to school? You know, are you going to have these conversations with us? Are you going to put us on camera? Are you going to share these clips? And I didn't initially think it was going to be like this. You know, I thought it was going to be a one-off thing between me and him, but it really um, sat well with people and really, people really felt seen and wanted to be heard. And I think that, you know, those things and people sharing that they wanted those things um, was something that really led to like the project continuing to go. So the res- initial reception was really, like really good. And just, I think that, it just, rather than, like, I guess, like, complimentary things for, like, the production or, oh, it was so edited so nicely... I think that people really just like enjoyed the fact that the dialogues were happening from the heart. That's awesome.
0: So I think for our generation, for our age group, we are less likely to define ourselves by our choice of career um, and more willing and open to defining ourselves by the other things that we're doing in our lives, our our passions, our, our hobbies. How do you think it's important that everyone in our age group, especially people from the diaspora, have a passion, have something they're passionate about, and not just their jobs, but like something that they feel like is fulfilling to them. Do you think that's important? Do you think that everyone has one, like, you know, needs to discover that for themselves?
2: I think so. I think that, you know, it is very important to kind of have something that you're passionate about, um, something that, you know, resonates with you, something that you believe in. But I think, you know, I'll put a disclaimer to that as well, too, you know, that in terms of like what we're passionate about and like sometimes the conversations that people like have, they feel as though it has to be kind of niche. You know what I mean? They feel like you were saying jobs, but I think people feel as though it has to be like an action or something. You know what I mean? When it's like, you know, passion can be in the form of anything, you know, you could find joy in anything. I think that sometimes, you know, I look through social media or just like, I think back to like, you know, old interactions, maybe like things in high school, you know, where like, You know, like, you know how high school is and sometimes social interactions are people kind of like bully people for like really stupid things if you look back. And I say that to say, I think that, you know, we have a habit of like kind of qualifying happiness um, when the reality is that you don't necessarily need to do that. You know what I mean? Like... For example, like say someone's like really passionate about something simple, like cereal, you know what I mean? Someone really enjoys cereal and that brings them joy. That's something that they're like happy about. They can tell you, they can tell you all the things about like all the different kinds, like where it's made, um, the flavor, and just like give you all these um, different details and whatnot. Um, you can be like a cereal enthusiast and like if that brings you joy and you're passionate about that, that gives you some kind of fire inside by all means. So I say that to say, like, it doesn't necessarily have to be like something that the general public views is like groundbreaking or whatever. Whatever you're passionate about can be anything. But I think it is important wow. to find that as, as you like continue to navigate the world.
0: Oh, that's, that's, I love that. So what do you see for the future for redefining Black masculinity? Where do you see it going? Where do you hope it goes? Um and what's the impact that you hope it'll, it'll have on people? Because I assume that you're putting this out for public consumption because you want it to have some sort of impact. So what do you hope that is?
2: I've been asked this question like a few times in like the last like week, week and a half, I think, <laughs> um, in terms of like, you know, future and what exactly I hope, to, hope for this to be. And I think for me, future goals for RBM, I'm all about, like I said, this is just about creating space and just making sure people feel seen and feel heard. In general, this is kind of just like an experiment in like community building, you know, making sure that, that the I don't have like, a Webster uh, dictionary in front of me to give you like a definition of community. Um, from one of those. But to me, community has always been like, you know, about like, you know, supporting one another um, and showing up for one another in ways that, in ways that kind of needs to be fulfilled to make the conscious decision to be an active participant. And I think that's like something like long-term that I want for this to be like a sustained community, one that's always looking to give back, looking to kind of help. And the best way to do that, at least like as far as I can see at this present moment, there are two things. One, just being a source of mutual aid. So I want rbm to kind of be like self-sufficient in what it is in in the sense of like being able to i guess like generate money whether it's through donations whether it's through intellectual property because like people things that i've created um and accruing money for that and putting that towards giving back to the communities that i'm a part of or like the community the rbm community or just like communities that i may not be a part of that do need the assistance as well so that's like number one in terms of like future so maybe some kind of RBM fund being established, who knows. And then second um, is building one another up. The phrase, it takes a village comes to mind, you know, and I think that, you know, with the network of people who I've been able to talk to, I think I've been able to interview over what, like a hundred people by now when it comes to like the work, the page has like 3000 followers. I think that, you know, it's strength numbers when it comes to building. And I think that, you know, it starts with like... It starts with a connection, so yeah, everyone has like the mutual unifying point of okay, we follow the RBM page, but are they connected to one another? Are, is each follower connected to the other? You know, and I want to get into like that space of probably doing a better job of like connecting them. So like whether it's like mentorship opportunities or just kind of like having a database in which like people can kind of reach out to one another, and make sure that assistance can be provided because I think that's probably like the next best thing. If you can't offer you can't offer money, knowledge is um is a, is an assistance. You know. Because another thing, your network is your net worth, so that's something that's really helpful and beneficial.
0: So, where can the people follow you
2: at? So, on Instagram at Redefining Black Masculinity. If you want to check out my personal page, there's nothing really special there besides my face and like my the front the faces of my friends and stuff. Dill Carmichael D I L C A R M I C H A E L, and then on Twitter it is uh, Black Mask Souls B L K M A S C S O U L S. That's short for Black Masculine Souls because Redefining Black Masculinity was too long, so just had to get still get a, like a witty or like a clever, aesthetically pleasing handle. So that was the go-to there. And then in terms of like a website, it's coming soon. Right now, the shop website is up, which is RBM.Black, but eventually that'll lead to like you know the project's website in general, which will serve as a hub for. Hub for content, hub for like, you know, a newsletter to kind of keep you up on, up to date on the daily happenings, um, resources that are available to people, whether it's like re, um, books, um, books, articles, things of the like to kind of just keep, make sure people are educated and just like, you know, tapped into um, necessary knowledge when it comes to better understanding self and others.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on. I, I really appreciate
2: it. And I appreciate for you for allowing me the space to talk about as well, too.